I was actually at a house in Evanston, Illinois, and a gathering of friends had just ended. And a friend of mine just put this on, and I just, <laughs> just immediately just stopped listening to what anyone was saying. This is Essential Tremors. I'm Lee Gardner. I'm Matt Byers. The idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are. We're not looking for favorite songs necessarily. We're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. What we're looking for are songs that have significance to them. Songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives or their lives in general. Our guest on this episode is Wendell Patrick. Patrick is a Baltimore-based jazz and classical pianist, as well as a sought-after hip-hop producer, a lecturer at Johns Hopkins Peabody Institute, and a sound documentarian. He's also the co-founder of the monthly Baltimore Boom Bap Society, which is a forum for experimentation and collaboration between local hip-hop artists that also seeks to place hip-hop in dialogue with other forms of music. However, Patrick may be best known in Baltimore as the co-creator of WYPR's award-winning Out of the Blocks podcast. Here he is talking about Nina Simone's song, Who Am I?, and what it means to him. born by chance in July Who on earth How did you come to this song? I was actually at a house in Evanston, Illinois and a gathering of friends had just ended and a friend of mine just put this on and I just <laughs> just immediately just stopped listening to what anyone was saying and I, I just said yeah well because well, first of all it start it starts with that it started with that piano and you know I'm, I'm originally a pianist and it just sounded so quirky like it sounds like like just someone's just kind of goofing around you know uh, and I, so it immediately just sort of grabbed my attention and then the first line she says is the, is the title of the, the song she says who am I and there's the, the piano stops while she says it and then and then it comes in right after and I, I just like it just grabbed me immediately and um 
I like didn't know if it was a, a man or a woman. Like I just, you know, I just, this is the sound of this voice was just riveting. You know the the lyrics as they were unfolding were just so, just I don't know, like free and you know there the was sort of the like the time of the song was totally loose and um, and then there's that one section in the middle when she says who like it, like it, it rises harmonically and then she's you know she says who and she holds that note and um, there's this descending. Uh, chord progression on the piano and, and it's like the, the, the note that she's holding grows in intensity and I just got goosebumps like I mean like I just <laughs> like I was already you know listening intently I just got goosebumps I, and I still get goosebumps whenever I hear that part a mountain lion or a rooster or a hen or a robin or a wren or a fly yeah so you know I, you guys said that this wasn't like a favorite song thing um, or exercise uh, and it was sort of more like what helped to shape you and um you know, like I can't really say that any one song that I've ever listened to like shaped what I do per, t- per se, but there are certain things from individual songs that I I can you know specify exactly you know, one thing about them that that um, in terms of an effect that they had on me and for, and for me for this I, I just it was just so free honestly it was like whoever was singing this just like. You know, kind of just didn't give a f- like. You know, like I mean, and you know, like that's that's what I was taking away from it. You know, that, that, that's not to say that that was actually the case. I know that people will come to me sometimes and talk to me about my music and have like these ideas about like what I was thinking, and I was I'm like, no, I wasn't thinking about that at all. But it's just like the the, the absolute, you know, the the freedom of this, of all the elements, just really. Um, had a profound effect on me. And I remember uh, I came back to Baltimore and bought the um, <laughs> bought the CD. Actually, no, I, bu- I bought... Um, I either bought a tape or my friend put it, like copied it onto a tape for me, but I was playing it in, in my car uh, when I got back here. I was actually driving my mother's car. And I pulled off 83 right at um, the North Avenue exit, and I was sitting there with the windows down playing this song and the guy next to me in his car was like hey hey, yo and I looked over and I was like yeah and he was like who is that like like literally the exact same thing that I that I had said you know like two weeks before and I was like that's Nina Simone and he was like is that the radio and I was like no this is a tape and he was like man who and I said Nina Simone he's like okay Thank you. You know, it was like the same exact thing. Oh, 
The second song Wendell chose as an essential track to his personal development is DJ K. LaBoss by 80s hip-hop group EPMD. to listen to this on a tape and it was just like you know I, I want to say it was at the end of the side and I would you know rewind it and listen to this over and over and over and the reason I chose it um, is oh so before I say why I chose it so two years ago when I listened to it um, it really put a smile on my face because now that all this time has passed um, and now that I have you know a, a career in music as a, as a producer it actually made sense to me why I used to listen to it that you know so often uh, years ago, um, and that's because so this came out in 1988, and around that time, um, you know, first of all, hip hop in general was becoming more. Um, it was becoming more more widely listened to. I don't want to say mainstream because it, it wasn't really mainstream yet, but it was more and more people were becoming aware of, the, of these artists. And um, uh, you know, specifically the M MC, because uh, you know, people tend to be drawn towards words. But um, this was one of those tracks on an album that was like just an instrumental track. And I remember the first time I heard it, you know, like the track starts, and I, I didn't know what it was called. I was just listening. And the track starts, and you're expecting an MC to come in. And like, they don't come in in the first 10 seconds. And they don't come in, in in the first 30 seconds. And I was like, wow, this is like really cool. And um, it's structured like a song. There's there's verses, there's choruses, but um, all of it is, is, is scratching, you know, which at the time for me was something that I'd, I'd heard before, but it was, it was usually like little fillers and stuff that was, you know, kind of, kind of basic. But this was like, um, you know, this was a lot more intricate and the, you know, the, the, the underlying beat had these like skip breaks that like I hadn't really heard before. And, um, and the song is long, like it goes on for a while and it's got like an A section and B section, and A section, and then it has a C section. And so the fact that, that, that this was all put together and then, um, you know, there were a lot, there were, there were several albums at the time that did have tracks featuring the DJ, which I, I remember uh, Jazzy Jeff had some, feature tracks on their albums, which I always really liked. But um, as a pianist and instrumentalist, this really spoke to me at that time. And listening to it now after, you know, 16 or 17 years, as a producer who, who um, you know, who, who makes, uh, you know, albums that have MCs and vocalists on there, but primarily, you know, instrumental um, hip-hop on a lot of them, or instrumental tracks, it, it just made me smile thinking that this was what I was, what I gravitated to on that album, even though the whole album was good, um, but it was you know mostly MCs. On it. Um, yeah, well, so I started playing music when I was very young. I was mm, four years old when I started taking piano lessons. And, um, but at this point in time, so when I was fourteen, I actually stopped playing the piano, and um, I didn't play for four years. And you know, like I always liked hip hop. Like I, you know, I used to break dance and 
and rap and beatbox and stuff, you know, from when I was like 11, 12, 13. But around this time, you know, like in in the years prior, a lot of hip hop was sort of like like playful and kind of, you know, like a little goofy and, you know, like, you know, did I ever hear the story about, you know, it was like that kind of thing. And like this, yeah, and this track to me, you know, like affected me in a lot of the ways that, um, you know, like some instrumental, did some instrumental classical music did. Like it was the way that it was structured, the, you know, the intensity, like there's, there's nothing, there's nothing funny about this track. Like it's just like this intense thing that like goes and goes and goes and goes. And, um, and you know, I guess I used to think, and uh, uh, I used to wonder, you know, like what was the thought process for EPMD and DJ Caleb Watts when they put this together. Like, because he must have been like, okay, well, I'm going to make this track. We found these sections. It was like, these are the cuts that I'm going to... You know, it, it, it's very well thought out and very intricate. And, um, you know, I, I was... Uh, that for me was like was a shift in, in terms of the, the, the hip-hop that you know, I, I was hearing uh, at that time. The final song Wendell chose is Rebel Without a Pause by seminal hip-hop group Public Enemy. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world is coming to. Yes, the rhythm, the rebel, without a pause, I'm lowering my level. The hard rama, where you never been, I'm in. You want styling, you know it's time again. D. Similar to what happened when I heard the Nina Simone song the first time. Um, uh, when I first heard this, I was... I didn't really know what, what was happening. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I, at, at this point, I was I was, and had been listening to a lot of hip-hop. and um, But I'd never heard anything just so, like viscerally um, I don't know like the the, the the track itself sounds uh, like the music of the track not the, the vocals the music of it, the music actually sounds angrier than the vocals do um, and it's just like aggressive the whole time um, but so, so first of all, the, the first time I heard it, uh, you know, it starts with that uh, that quote, and then you know you got those hits, and then the you know you know four scratches, and yes, and then it, and then it comes in with that like high pitched, you know, thing. And, and now I know what that is, but I didn't know what it was. Back. I, I, like I literally didn't know what was even making that sound. I was like, is that a kettle? Like, is that? And that's not a joke. Like I, I thought, is that a whistling? kettle you know and um and it's just like i said it's just it's just relentless and then it, it has these very short breaks um in the middle of the verse when flavor flave uh comes in and you got those horn hits and then it's like right back in just like full speed ahead and then the 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 chorus uh is all is basically like scratching you know i mean you hear you know the reference. You know, obviously, you know Terminator X, but but he's he's like almost like summoned to to scratch the chorus, and then 
the last chorus, there's this one part where there's these extra bass hits. Like, Terminator X, right? Those aren't there the other times. So it's like, it's like let's just take this, this thing and just kick it up like another notch, you know? And, um, yeah, I just, I just never heard anything like that. And uh, I, I had a, a conversation, conversation with, um, actually, you know, I had a conversation with Hank Shockley about it from the Bomb Squad who produces track. And, um, but I, I remember reading something about it where, um, you know, that rising sample from the, the, J, the JBs, from the, the Grunt, I think it is. Their sampler at the time, the sampling time was, uh, or the sampler that they had actually required like a split second to reload the, the loop. That's why there's a break in there. And they took it to a studio that had a sampler with, uh, with longer sampling time. So it didn't have to have that break in there. And, you know, because that's what they thought they wanted. And they heard it and that like loop, that rising loop had no break. And they were like, Oh no, this isn't gonna work. And like, if you think about it, like if there were no, if there were no break there, the song would just not be the same. Like it, that minute absence of sound, um, re- you know, sort of repeatedly, really contributes to this. It's like the only place, really, with you know, um, the exception of those parts where Flavor Flav comes in, where it's like you kind of catch a breath every every loop, you know. Um, yeah, I, I just never heard anything like that before. So you know where I was when I heard this song? Uh, I was at a freestyle trick bike competition in uh, at un- the University of District Columbia. And uh, so this was like 88. Um, and, you know, with that stuff was all, there was no X Games, none of that stuff. This was all like, I mean, they were like sponsored riders, but it wasn't like you kind of, it was sort of like a, a, a niche thing. And, um, you know, and so it was like in the auditorium at UDC and um, they, they built like a large, large half. And like, you know, there were professional riders there, but this was like the semi-pro competition before. And this kid came out and this was what he rode to. And like literally the whole, you know, everyone else was riding to these like, I don't know, like techno pop, kind of you know like no one was riding to this and he came out and this came on and you know over these like giant speakers in the state in this auditorium and uh everyone just had this look on their face like what is this you know um and again you know this wasn't like how it is now where anything that's hot everyone knows about it within minutes you know um, you know, it's funny I, when I when I talked to, to Hank Shockley about it, and he uh, he said that when they when they recorded this, and they were upstairs in the studio, and they had the windows open, they were playing, and people downstairs were like walking by, to, and they would just stop and just just stare up at the window, like what, like what is that? You know, he said they just knew, they just knew. Well, so you you heard this when you're a teenager and has this huge impact. Right. And it's like aggressive and it's chaotic. Um, and then, you know, I'm curious about 
you know, the person you are now and the, you know, professional musician you are now and the producer you are now, does it still do the same thing? Do you hear it differently than you did then? I mean, you probably do, but how, how do you hear it, you know, the age you are, you know, with the knowledge you have versus, you know, that kid you remember at yeah. the, at the bike show? Um, you know, you, so when, when, if there's a piece of music that you identify with or, or don't identify with either, uh, that you hear at a particular point in time, um, you know, they could like remaster stuff or whatever, reissue it, but you know, you go through life, you change, the world changes. Um, but that song doesn't change, right? And so um, nowadays, especially in terms of music production, like you can be so precise in ways that you couldn't. I, I was going to say it would be, would be difficult to do back then, but like you literally couldn't be, you know. And, and so now I hear these like slight, quote unquote, they're not imperfections, but um, places where things are like a little bit off because of how the samples were put together, you know. Um, and it sounds even more alive now in a lot of ways, even though the song itself, the song itself is the, the same song. Um, and yeah, like I, because, because what, so the, the things about the song that hit me were more um, like emotional and visceral. Like it just, it sounds the same to me today. Like I don't, I don't listen to that song and think like, Oh yeah. That, Oh, I remember that time. This is that that was cute. Like how they used to do that. Like no, it it still hits the same way. You know? Yeah, and I think um, you know it's like I I used to really sort of around the same time period, uh, maybe a little bit before, a little before. Like I used to really like like you know LL Cool J's I'm Bad, for example. You know where he's like he's literally saying he's, he's bad, but the whole thing is not. Like that song isn't geared towards any, it's not geared towards like a higher consciousness or like a, you know, pay attention to what's going on around you, you know. And so when I listen to, when I hear that song now, or I see the video, like I'm like, oh, I remember this song, it's kind of funny. Um, but what Chuck D is talking about um, is still relevant, you know. And it's not, it's not relevant because he chose this, um, kind of universal this will always be relevant like text and material it's relevant because because of how deep it is you know um and i i, I just remember thinking like this is the perfect musical accompaniment for what he's saying like the fact that again that the track is like more aggressive than him and he sounds you know like, he sounds like what he's saying means business. Just lets him just sort of sit there. And, like, you hear it, and it's got that little um, that little guitar riff that, that's underneath everything that just keeps going, like, bam, 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 bam. It's like this little, you know, like, you can't help but, like, move to this thing. And it's just, but you, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just it was just amazing. And the fact that they put the, 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 the live uh, part with the funky drummer beat in after and left that on the albums, you know, like, as opposed to just, like, the song ending. You know, um, and the fact that they're like, you know, bring that beat back because you want that beat. You don't want that beat to end because it's so, it's so, it's just so good. That's jazz pianist, classical composer, and hip hop producer Wendell Patrick talking about three songs that are essential to him. 
Essential Tremors is hosted and distributed by AudioStack and WYPR Baltimore. Look for and subscribe to our podcasts at wypr.org slash podcastcentral, including Life in the Balance, a monthly program that asks, what are the systemic issues in Baltimore that keep marginalized people from reaching their full potential? And what are the solutions to those problems? Also new to WYPR is The Noir and Bazaar, which explores the dark and strange stories we tell ourselves about human existence, occult history, ghosts, haunted houses, and secret crimes, with a special emphasis on stories that draw on the rich history and culture of Baltimore. For more information about Essential Tremors or to connect with us, go to EssentialPodcast.com. Thanks for listening.